my career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So you're a gay guy. You know you're a man. You question your masculinity, but yet in your own way, masculinity is just who you are. But then sometimes you get in your head about what that all means to you. And then you take a deep breath and go, ah, this is too much work. Kind of like everything's a little bit too much work. But what if you were just comfortable in your masculinity? Well, that's what we're exploring today on 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. And I'm bringing a guy that I had the option to meet about a year or so ago. We were in a mastermind group together and I really liked what he was doing in the world. And then we had paths crossing, like he kind of comes and does stuff in my area where I live. And then before you knew it, we like had other things in common. But I really love what Travis Scott is doing with the new masculine, which is his podcast and some of the stuff that he coaches on. Because, well, he's disrupting the way that we look at what the models of masculinity are. So he's a podcaster. So I don't have to say anything from here on out. He's literally going to just step in and take over. So welcome, buddy. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Oh, man, I was just kind of waiting to just sit in the passenger seat for a little while. And well, I know, but uh, don't we all like, can I just have a guess? <laughs> like, just do this. Yeah. No, no, guys, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love doing what yeah, we yeah. do. But it is nice when you have somebody who does the same thing. It's like, hey, they kind of know what's going down here. And even though we have we have no idea what we're talking about today. Right, Travis? We just kind of like we're going to do yeah. this. So uh, we just showed which, up today. We did show up, but that's part of showing up in your masculinity is like show up, right? Mm -hmm. So why did you start feeling called to this? Like what, what should the new masculine be? What was your calling to that? Well, first, just let me say thanks for inviting me to be here with you. I, I course, love this. Man. Obviously, one of my favorite topics. I started a podcast about it. So I'm focusing on with my clients. Uh, so thank you for just another opportunity to talk about this thing I'm really passionate about. Hey, anytime uh, somebody so else can talk about their stuff and I don't have to talk about my stuff, <laughs> I'm going to jump on it. No, I'm kidding again, guys. But uh, no, this is I, this was important to me because I feel like we as a gay male community, sometimes this is probably one of our biggest struggles yeah. with being who we are, because we've been told for so much of our life, oh, you're not man enough. You're not man enough. Mm -hmm. Being, you know, masculine up, you know, da, da, da. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm just a guy. How I choose to be yeah. a guy is how I choose to be a guy. So, um, but yeah, I'm glad you're doing this. So let's kind of dive into like, you know, you came out of mama's womb and said, I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> right? And Yeah, it's exactly how it played out. Yeah. You know, like what you're kind of talking about, about how this is one of our core wounds or one of the things we struggle with the most as queer men is why I started the podcast. When I first sort of came into the world, I internalized pretty quickly on or early on that I had failed as a man for some reason because I was gay. In some ways, I was less of a man than the other men in the world. And I was acutely aware of how other people perceived me differently, even before I had language for my sexuality, but even before I knew who I was, I could see people seeing me as different. I could, uh, I was internalizing messages from our culture when we're talking in the news about what rights gay people um, are allowed to have in our world. And so 
um, really early on, I had internalized that message and it's been a, it was a real struggle for me. And as I came out, um, I waited until I was like 25 to come out. Um, I really just struggled with the idea that I, uh, failed at some, in some way as a man. And so it took me a while to really get comfortable in this space to be willing to have this conversation because my fear was so big around having this conversation. But I decided that, um, as sort of the Me Too generation came through, the Time's Up, Black Lives Matter, we're starting to recognize it in like how unsustainable it is, the current approach to our world. And oftentimes at the hands of how men are using power and how men are engaging in the creation of the rules that we all have to follow that may not be fully fair or representative of other populations. And so as that conversation was having in a, happening in the broader cu culture, I started really getting clear about how I wanted to participate in that conversation. I knew I didn't want to do it from the kind of conversation that's out there around like calling out toxic masculinity. I think that's a, a really important approach to call out bad behavior. But in my conversations, I'm really trying to embed a lot of psychological safety into them so that we as men can really have a conversation about what's not working not just what's not working for other people, but what's not working for us. Like our, right. how we were raised as boys into manhood really asked us to divorce ourselves from inherent qualities of ourselves, whether we're gay or straight. It tells us we can't uh, show our emotions. It shows us, it tells us we can't be empathetic to the people around us. It tells us we have to be better than that. We have to compete with that. We have to overpower. And, and inherently that starts to teach us that we need to be better than, more than, to conquer. And other people are kind of just in the way of our accomplishments. Right. And so I started noticing that there was a change that I wanted to be a part of creating in the world. But I also really knew that this was a part of my own healing journey. Um, to be able to take a seat at a conversation like masculinity that I feel like I was not invited to, that I was told I had failed at already. And to just take a seat at that table and to say, I'm going to, I have a perspective to offer. I think it's a valid one and I'm going to bring it whether I'm invited to or not. Felt like the next step in my own healing journey as a man to bring forward my masculine energy and own that regardless of whether or not my culture agreed with the fact that I had some masculine energy in me. So it, this podcast came from just as much about what the change I want to see out there in the world, but also my own healing journey and my own commitment to my own healing journey. The thing I find interesting about this, this kind of conversation, when we get into like, what does masculinity look like? What does it mean to you? Is many men clam up mm -hmm. or they go with the standard. Here's the stereotype. Well, this is what masculinity is. And, and like what I just did, where I just changed my voice. This is how uh -huh. you're, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Talk like a man. <laughs> yeah. Talk like a man, be a man. And yet uh -huh. like you in my own journey, I was like, how, how do you separate that? This is, this is what masculinity means. And so I'm not this, I'm a man. I have a penis. I look like a guy. I act like a guy. I just, you know, I don't understand it until I realized that it wasn't on me. That was on the messenger. That was on the person who was trying to send me that message because that's what messages they received. And as soon as I started realizing, I, hey, if I accept that message, then yes, then it is on me. If I accept that that's the message I'm supposed to be to be a man, I kind of just stepped into the dog poop of life on my own. 
nobody else made mm -hmm. me go there, right? But what I also started to uncover because I'm a girl dad, two <laughs> girls. So suddenly there's like, okay, I happen to be gay. So, ooh, does that mean I'm going to follow? I'm a gay dad. So that's going to make me better dad for girls. There's another stereotype. I'm playing into it. But when I started realizing that even as a parent, there's no stereotype for a parent. You just do what mm -hmm. you do. You uncover it. And I give a lot of credit to being a girl dad for me, accepting my masculinity just as I am. However that mm -hmm. looks at times, I'm going to be like over the top, like silly, stupid, super gay at times, whatever that means, even in and of itself. And other times I'm just being me, you know, I'm just, Hey, this is how I'm showing up. And some people are really like, we don't know who you are sometimes. I'm like, why? I'm just being me. You're just seeing another piece of my personality, which is what I think is interesting in masculinity too, is masculinity is not one definition per se, even though people want to do that. Like, here's what masculine looks like, right? So as you work with your clients, what's a common thing that most guys, and I know this is like asking like the question that you can't answer with one answer, <laughs> but there's there are some commonalities of guys who really struggle, like that men struggle with in masculinity. Is there one that sticks out in your mind? Well, I think what you were just describing about how differentiating the messages you were taught by other people versus what is actually me can be mm -hmm. very challenging for a lot of us. That, that there's a there's a real developmental stage that comes through to sort of separate out and to be able to filter out what's me and what is what I was told I needed to be. And I think that so many of us are just buying into this narrative that masculinity is one thing and we all know what it is and we all need to be, be it. And we have a lot of evidence throughout our lives, many of us of being hazed when we step outside of the traditional norms of masculinity, being called gay, being called a sissy, being called a girl, being like you're too uh, sensitive, like we hate, we as men haze each other quite a bit to keep each other in line. Yep. And so when that, when you've been bathed in that your whole life, how, how are you supposed to really separate out and acknowledge maybe that's not true? And the thing that a lot of men confront is they, I think actually the majority of men don't in their private lives adhere to those traditional masculine norms all the way, all the time. And yet when they start to move out into the world and become social beings, they start to become more rigid around those rules because of all the hazing we've already experienced it from our past. And so I think the hard thing for people to under, to really reflect on and to understand is, is that, okay, maybe I don't actually fit those traditional norms, but if I step outside of that, I will be rejected. I will be unlovable. I won't belong. I'll be a failure as a man. I'll be a beta man. I'll be less than in some way. I'll give up some of my power. And so in order to do some of this self-reflective work to own our own version of masculinity, it does require going account against your culture and what your culture says. And that can be really scary for a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. And I believe as gay men, now let's layer that piece on top of it because at least my perspective and i think you're probably going to agree with me and if you don't then i'm just going to stop the podcast and go forget no i'm kidding <laughs> this is uh, over with <laughs> we're done we're done here but everything you just talked about actually sometimes gets exacerbated in our own gay culture 
because now mm-hmm. you're not gay enough. You're not a muscle daddy enough. You're not this enough, you know? And suddenly here we go, we go start doing the same damn thing that mm-hmm. we fought for so many years of our lives to come out of the closet as gay men. And now our own communities turn around and doing it in its own other way. Mm-hmm. It just, I hate to say it kind of screws us up all over again, because now there's these things we have to live by that. What makes you man enough in the gay community or twink enough or this enough or that. And it becomes really exhausting really quickly. It's so true. And it also really makes sense that we were also raised in this culture and a lot of mm-hmm. our hurt and our own wounding as queer and gay men is around this, that we were told we weren't enough. And so that a very typical coping strategy is to adopt the behaviors of those who disenfranchised you or took your power away and start using it on others. And so that's what I found when I was in my late twenties dating a, a, a lot. I know what I started to feel like, I was like, wow, we're just like a community of wounded boys who keep like bullying each other because that was done to us. And then we just keep rewound, like keeping that cycle of wound uh, perpetuated and it continues to move forward. I don't necessarily see it that same way. It was just like the kind of uh, developmental stage I was at in my life at that point. But there is some truth to that, that when you're hurt and when you haven't done the work to really heal that work, you're probably going to use strategies that were used against you. And you'll see that on dating apps where people are saying like, no femmes, no this, no this, where we're categorizing people as some body types and some um, presentation styles are are valid and some aren't but you'll see definitely like those muscle guys that hit the gym on instagram and then the second um they're on video and they speak with a bit more effeminate tone you'll watch the comment section go crazy about well he was hot until i heard his voice where we where we criticize someone for having a different vocal timbre than other men and they're not doing enough to to fake it and so I think we do that in our community to each other. We haze each other. We bully each other around masculinity constantly. One of the things I found really interesting, I was having a conversation for the new masculine with a, with a guest, um, Tyler Boyle. He was sharing with me his own journey as an artist. And he was sharing about a lot of his art from his, his subconscious comes from a critique and analysis of masculinity. And one of the things that we were talking about is how while we have some wounding around that as queer people, we also have our like keenly fo- have been our whole lives keenly focused on observing masculinity. It's the way we stayed safe. If I can watch how men walk, if I can watch how other men talk, how they move their hands when they speak, then I can start to blend in and fit. So our like hyper vigilance of watching masculinity throughout our lives actually puts us in a really unique position to critique comment on reflect on whether or not these sort of models of masculinity are really in service of us anymore because we've been paying attention to it our whole life and because it's been part of our safety mechanism we've been sensitive to it therefore we know it more and so i actually really love on my conversations on the podcast to talk to other gay men to trans men to non-binary folks who are lean towards the masculine energy side of things because I think there's something really clearly to be offered by people who have been navigating masculinity from a different perspective than the cisgender, heterosexual, white, Christian man has. Um, that's why I also like to talk to men of color because we all have different perspectives and all of our perspectives can really help inform our way forward 
rather than just the select few who have power being able to decide what the norm is for all of us. That's huge because that power piece is also what wounds so many people. It's like, if I have power, then this is the norm. I mean, honestly, all we have to do is look at like the political landscape. This Mm -hmm. is what it's all so much about right now. It's Mm -hmm. power and making you my norm so that I can, you know, so that I can live with you. And of course, as gay men, and I'm not just because this is a gay men's podcast, but in the LGBTQ queer community, this has always been the struggle. It's Mm -hmm. like, you have to make me comfortable with you. And right now you're not making me comfortable with you. So this is why you being LGBTQ plus, 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 I, I don't, I can't do this, but if you would just do this, then I I'm comfortable with you. Now we can continue on. And I've seen this happen in this, in our world too, where if a gay man doesn't, and this comes up all the time in my coaching, I just feel so isolated. I feel so lonely. I don't feel that I fit in. Well, tell me about that. What's making you not feel like you fit in? Well, I don't fit the stereotype. As soon and I hate that word because as soon as I hear him start to say the S, I'm like, and it's going to be three, two, one stereotype, right? <laughs> because they are like, I don't fit the muscle daddy look. I don't fit the twink. I don't fit the go out to the bars and dance group. I don't fit the, you know, party group. I don't fit the like, hey, this is how, you know, spiritual Christian gay. I don't. It's always, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, because we suddenly have been locked in again. Well, here's how I know how to work with you. Now, granted, we all do this as humans. This isn't new. Travis and I aren't taking, you know, the Nobel Prize for this one. But how dare you? I've been a genius this whole conversation. Oh, here we go. This is why I left the group I was in with him because he was like, I'm the diva. I know everything. I'm kidding. Uh, But it's such an interesting thing. Like you can just see this stuff coming. And yet here we go. No wonder as humans, but I'm going to take this back to gay men because it's always about gay men. Let's just admit it without us in the world, the world does not revolve. We're kidding again, but well, it's kind of true. It is kind of mm-hmm. true, I think, but um, <laughs> we'll own that anyway. It is such a big wounding piece that as men, if we start to go say, okay, now this added to trying to feel whatever addition of manlyhood and masculinity is, it just seems like it's constantly that losing battle, you know, because mm-hmm. if I can't make friends in my own community and I'm lonely and I'm feeling isolated and I can't find a way to, you know, fit in, I'm just not, I'm just not man enough to do this. And I've actually had a couple of clients say that in a session, like, I just feel like I'm, I'm not even man enough to be gay. Mm-hmm. I, I like trying to not own- laugh at that, but it's like. Yeah. It's sad. It's some of my own story. I felt like as soon as I, I resisted coming out for so long, and then once I came out, I didn't feel like I really fit in with the gay community either. And I was like, well, where do I belong? And mm-hmm. I think the key to what you were saying and, and kind of the word, languaging that that client said to you of I don't fit in, it's like the, the, how much effort we're all trying to put into fitting in. And it does, when we work on trying to fit in, we put ourselves in boxes. We automatically put ourselves in. And it's challenging not to do, to not try to fit in. We are wired for connection as human beings. And so our desire to connect that we understand on a certain level that people connect with things that they feel safe with and people seek sameness or likeness as a, as a way of creating safety in the connection. And so we tend to gravitate towards people that 
we are like or that will like us because we fit fit into something. And yet every time we focus on fitting in rather than focusing on connection, we keep putting ourselves in these boxes that are super limiting and super, there's so much room for shame to fit into that box we put in ourselves or put ourselves in because we'll never be enough of any of those things. You might have the right body type, but you might be losing your hair. You might be um, the uh, the wrong quote unquote body type, but you might uh, um, also be very manly. Like there's always something that we can critique about ourselves that says we are not enough to be successful at, to connect with, to fit in. And I think something that's really important is for us to learn how to focus on connection rather than fitting in. When we focus on connection, then we can belong with other people. We can have a sense of belonging rather than a sense of fitting in. And that's really hard because there's a lot of power structures in our culture that ask us to be something. Like even at the basic level, like our our um, current school system, the way we teach kids was created in the industrial revolution as a way of creating cogs in a wheel for factory workers. Like it's trying to create sameness and orderliness and and when you have systems that are about shaving off the edges of each one of us to make ourselves fit in, it's really hard to not put that as the priority when the whole world is asking. It feels like the whole world is asking you to do that. Right. And so finding places where we can explore our authenticity and to create connections that are based in those authenticity is really where the juice is for me. I also see this in men who have kids that end up playing non-traditional roles. So I'm going to start in one place and walk us into the gay world with this. So I used to belong to a group of basically work from home, stay at home dads, which was so non-traditional at the time that we were doing this because, you know, it was like, well, I work from home, but I pick up the kids. I get the kids to school, you know, and it was so different. Now, I happened at that time have finally met my husband and it wasn't because these these were my biological daughters, but he worked outside the home. He was in sales, outside sales, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, from time to time, I'd say, hey, can you pick the girls up and get him home? I've got a, you know, I've got a coaching session or I've got something going on. But it was interesting to see how even that structure in my somewhat heteronormative world was like, I'd go get the kids at school and, you know, all the moms are kind of looking at me like, what's this creepy dad doing here? I'm like, I'm not a creepy dad. Number one. And of course, as soon as I said, <laughs> I'm gay, they're like, Oh yay, We have our token gay father here. Right. Um, they're like, can you do the sets? Can you do it? And I'm like, hmm, stop right there. Yes, I can, but we're not going to start there as a relationship. <laughs> but, um, but it was interesting as we started to move into this to start to see, and this was, it wasn't like we were the first couple to have children. Right. But as I started to integrate, like, Hey, we're part of the gay community and all this sort of stuff. You could definitely see even in our own community, there was some bias towards, Oh, yo, so you're gay parents. So you're really not that gay. And then suddenly mm -hmm. again, here was this assault on masculinity, so to speak. I mean, I've, I think I've shared this on this podcast once before, but it's my podcast, so I can share it again. But um, the very first time I was in a gay bar, well, not the very first time, but one of the very first times I was in a gay bar after I came out, 
I was having a really nice evening while I was with some friends and I started, you know, as, as us gay men do, you know, cause here's the stereotype. We go to the gay bars to like chat people up and go get laid. Right. That wasn't the intent for me doing this. Well, maybe sort of it was, but um, <laughs> it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't way. mean it, well, it didn't happen because as you will see where the story goes, it oh, definitely oh, didn't happen. And I said, well, Hey, I, I need to get going. Nice chatting with you. He goes, well, where are you going? I said, well, I got to go pick up my kids kids yeah i have two kids oh so you're a breeder needless to say that conversation I knew was that like, word was going to come up <laughs> yeah exactly and so yeah. again suddenly there's an a quote assault on my masculinity so to speak mm -hmm. but i didn't i mean i didn't take it as an assault like oh i'm less of a man but kind of in my own world as a gay man it's like oh great here's just another like chit in my you know holster so to speak that i i'm not going to be able to attract a guy Luckily, I did meet a guy that like having kids was something that he was really attracted to. Like, hey, this is a guy who has kids. So there's some responsibility here. There's it's not just about him. He's got some people he's got to, you know, kind of get through life, all that sort of stuff. But I think it's a really good example of how we take people, put them in a box and say, this is what makes you a man or a parent or a dad or whatever. Oh, you're a dad and you stay at home. Oh, you're not quite as masculine as other guys. Screw you. Yes, I am. You want to you want to throw down in the kitchen? Let's see how good you are at this, okay? <laughs> and guess what? I'll be cooking dinner and changing that tire out there and changing the oil. So you want to you want to rumble? Let's go. So um, yeah, not that I really do. Oh, I used to change the oil, but now that's something not anymore. Job. No, <laughs> except it's really gotten expensive. Every once in a while, I'm like, really? I'm paying eighty bucks for this to happen? But yeah, that's eighty bucks. I'm willing to go. It's much easier to have somebody else do this. Yeah, it's amazing to me how often, how much time we all spend critiquing each other's lives, calling you a breeder right? because you have kids. It's so wild. And I think you and I, because of our coaching work, probably a practice being in non-judgment around a lot of different kind of people's life, life choices and lifestyles and um, the different ways that they get their needs met in the world. But it's amazing to me how much of our energy is around critiquing each other. And there's even a part of the social game of being gay men that is about critiquing and shading each other and, and throwing t spilling the tea about each other. There's like a, mm -hmm. a cultural element about uh, using humor to over to have more power in the dynamic. I just think it's so interesting that we spend that much time. And there's like all those places in the world where the outside world puts you in a box. So you're not one of the moms picking up the kids, but oh, now you're the gay dad. So you can do all these right. things. Well, hold on. I'm not that. Like, don't put me in that box again. Now you're at a gay bar. Oh, you're a breeder. Like you're not enough in any of those different social settings to match the box that someone needs to put you in. Yep. And that's just so wild to me. And I think my conversations are so just so much about trying to open the box up and let people either put themselves in a box that they choose or choose no boxes or right. find how they want to identify and show up and bring their energy into the world. I was uh, recently noticing a part of my own masculinity with my relationship with my partner that was triggered. I'm doing this work. I'm having these conversations constantly. I'm working with other men. And yet it's still something I have to navigate. I, my partner has been in a very stressful work period where he's like sort of up leveling his skill set and getting like career advancement. That's really fantastic. But it is stress comes along with it. 
but also what comes along with it is bigger pay scale. He's been, he's sort of has a base salary and then a variable income based on his sales numbers. And that's the first time both of us have either been in not for profit or social work or college where, where we're sort of at limits. And now he's in this like more for profit um, uh, tech job and watching his financial income raise and a big value of mine has been able to be like 50-50 with each other in our financial contributions. I'm a small business owner, though. I can't compete with corporate money at different right. times. And I don't, nobody's giving me a bonus. And, nobody, and right. so I started recognizing where I felt started feeling like less of a man mm-hmm. watching his financial prospects get bigger. And like I was somehow going to be feminized in some way, or I was going to be right. the girl in the relationship, or I was going to be um the the kept man in the relationship and it's so not like that like we are still splitting things 50 50 but i watched my ego go wildly crazy for a couple of months because of the success my partner's having it's like wow even that i couldn't sit and enjoy fully enjoy his success because i had all my own stuff around what that meant about me as a man to not be that to that traditional archetype that we ask men to be, which mm-hmm. is the provider, to be able to provide financially for the whole family. Um, and uh, it's something I still have to work on a little bit because I am a small business owner. I went into a social work program as a social worker before becoming a coach. I never went into it with this goal of money, but it, even this like living in a capitalist society tells you that power exists in money and when somebody has more money then you have less power it's like well ah, what am i supposed to do with this so i really like to figure out ways to decouple masculinity and power right so that people can have power it's not just men that can have power or masculine identifying people it's that they those aren't synonymous they can go together but they're not mm-hmm. inherently tied together like our culture seems to do a lot I love that you brought this up from your own experience because I think many of us as men don't realize how the toxic masculinity uh, within ourselves actually resides. Mm-hmm. We may feel like it's not there, da, da 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 you know, and this is me telling a really hard story on myself right now. But I remember when I was a really shitty dad at one point in time because my mm-hmm. youngest one really... She loved to wear, she went through a phase where she loved to wear tons of makeup, like tons. And like every, every dollar was getting spent every Christmas that was like, I need, and I'm just kind of like, please don't become that girl in my world. That's just, you're so made up that I don't know who you are. And one night in a really big fit of frustration, she was headed out. She looked cute. She probably was dressed a little less appropriately than dad wanted, but I'm like trying to hold myself in because I didn't want to be my own parents. Right. And I just, her and I had had a big row right before she went out. And I said, I just, I wish you could just be yourself and not look like a little tramp when you go out. Mm. And as soon as the words came out, I hated myself Yeah, because I thought I just did what many men would do. Just because she's got lots of makeup on, maybe her skirt's a little shorter than I would prefer. And and part of that was coming from, I want to protect her. I know, I know men pretty well because I'm one, right? Whether you're gay or not, you still know men. A lot of men like, Hey, Mm -hmm. it's a piece of meat. It's a piece of meat, right? 
And I realized in that moment how much work I still had to continue to do on myself. Because as the person I believe I am, I would have never said anything like that straight up to any woman. But yet here I just did it with my own kid. Now, part of it came from like, I want to protect you. But I should have said, hey, honey, I'm going to share something with you that is dad being a protective father. As much as you love looking the way you look right now, some men are going to take that as an invitation. And this is why I wish you wouldn't dress that way or have quite so much makeup on. Plus, you're a beautiful kid. So, you know, and now what's so interesting is she's grown through that. She's totally who she is. She doesn't wear near as much makeup when we go out. She puts some on, but not like she used to. But we've also worked through a lot of that was self-esteem stuff. And we had that conversation about how much that comment hurt her self-esteem and how I've really worked hard to like, Okay, if I'm going to say something to my daughters, I'm going to think about, okay, who am I as a person, as a supportive father, not a man, as a supportive parent, how am I going to say this where it doesn't make them feel less than as a woman? Because it takes work. And I think for many of us in this masculine space, we are all playing in as men. Sometimes we forget as you said earlier, it's like wherever the damage was done to us, we tend to bring it forward in the times we least expect it's going to come roaring forward. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be towards somebody else. I think we as gay men do this to ourselves a lot. The damage we've had done to us, we continue to do to ourselves. And then we wonder why we don't feel like we can fit in. We can be who we want to be. We can't, we can't find the guy, whatever all this stuff is. And even in a, like a joking comment, sometimes we don't realize the damage that can be doing either as self-deprecating as that can be. It's actually kind of a signal of, yeah, this is how I still view myself as a man. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful you told on yourself and that about that story, shared a story about how you didn't do it perfectly. Cause that's, a, that's what we as men need to be doing more often is having conversations where we screwed it up and what was the learning from it. And to recognize like in that situation, while you might, your intention was really good to protect her, realizing that there's a part of you that felt unsafe sending her out into the world in that, unsafe right. for her, unsafe for you. And instead of being able to prepare her for the world, you shamed her in that moment. And that's the, one of those things. It's like, how often is that happening from us men? Because we were told we're not allowed to be afraid of anything and feel sensitive or scared about anything from childhood, then we don't know when we're afraid. And then we become dominant or shaming or we, um, we create negative impacts on other people without ourselves even being aware of it. And I love that you shared that story because that's the kind of thing I'm doing in the new masculine is having those conversations about where did we learn from our screw ups, our failures, our what did what were we taught? How did we get out of what we were taught to be more right. authentically ourselves? And so I just really appreciate you uh, sharing that story. Oh, thank you, man. And something that I have put my finger on, which really ties to what you're doing and what you just said about shame in my book not my physical book, but in my, in the way I view the world now, I realize there's nothing masculine and makes me a, a better man 
if I'm shaming somebody. It's actually coward. That shows what a coward you are as a man. Because shame is the thing that we've all as gay men had to live with. And I, I've never had yet. I've never met a gay man yet that says, oh, no, I was never ashamed. I'm hoping that's changed because there's some younger generation. They're kind of like, I've always just been who I am. I'm like, really? You never got shamed? No, not really. I'm like, oh, you just said not really. So that means there's something mm -hmm. in there, you know, but I don't want to even harp on that because then I'm kind of shaming their truth. I, I hope to God mm -hmm. that's true. I would love to get to the place where none of that ever has to happen anymore. But I, I've, I've really seen in myself and it's easy to go there that the moment I start to shame someone, I really need to check myself. Like, why am I doing this? Where is this emanating from something that's happened to me? Or is there a better way to call this out without it being shame, 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 guilt, guilt, guilt sort of thing. And just that stopgap of putting that to myself, it's like, is this really who you want to be, Rick? Is this what you want to be known for? Is this the kind of guy you want to be called? You're called a lot of good things. But do you want to be known as the guy that always shames people? Not really. Not right. really. So I would encourage all the other people to, some people are going to use their shame and externalize it, like you were saying, and then yeah. also pay attention to where you shame yourself. I think yes. men shame themselves all the time. In my mm -hmm. example with my partner and his financial situation, it's like I shame myself because I'm not able to keep up with him. And it's like, why am I shaming myself all of a sudden? Because our, my culture taught me to do that because yeah. we live in a pretty shame-based culture that to mm -hmm. tell, they use that to try to control people. And so I, I would encourage people to really look at that. It's one of the biggest things I'm always working with, with any of my clients, regardless of their gender is how do we get you in right relationship with yourself, remove the shame element mm -hmm. so that then you can really create from a really clean slate. But it's, yeah. it's a lot of, it's a lot of work because there's so many so much baggage around shame from the past. And the more we carry that baggage, the more we allow it to exist. I'd mm -hmm. much rather unpack that baggage. It's painful. It's not easy, but I'd much rather unpack it and get it out and exposed and in the open so I can really see, okay, where did this come from? I mean, that whole story about my daughter, it was hard. It was painful because I'm like, okay, so you just did what your dad did all the time all the time to you, to mom, to your brother, you just did it. So guess what? Back to the drawing board, buddy boy, you know, and I didn't shame myself in a bad way. It's like, there's more work to go. Now to me, that's not shaming. That is like catching yourself, seeing your shit going, okay, we're going to keep working at this. But when shame it, to self and, it is and staying true to your values, values. Yep. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I find the simplest things like one of my coworkers just recently commented, we do team retreats and we're getting ready for another one. And he's never showed up um, just for lots of different reasons. He's never made it. And we, we don't have to all show up. I mean, if you just, if it's like, this just isn't going to work for me to be there, fine. We have a great company culture where just do what you do. And this place we're going to is a pretty major, it's a pretty, it's a pretty major joint. We're going to go hang out in 28 bedroom homes. So just kind of let that sink wow. in, right? Three hot tubs and a beautiful tub. And he's a good looking guy. And I know he was just joking, but this was, and it was so interesting knowing that you and I are going to be talking about this. And I was going to say, Hey, let's talk about, you know, this masculinity stuff. This is the guy who's never shown up and he goes three hot tubs in a pool, count me in, but I'm going to need, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so who are kind of our fitness people in our team. 
Um, I'm going to need them to help me get my beach body body in shape. I'm like, you just shamed yourself. Now, I know he's joking, mm -hmm. right? Because he's very good looking. He's built really nicely. But even that comment says something's there for him. You know, even if it's a joke, there's some little kernel in there that says I'm not enough. And I think this is the thing that most men, if you can catch yourself when you're making yourself feel not enough, you're on that new path forward to being of really good service to yourself and your masculinity. One of my favorite examples of that was the Hannah Gadsby Netflix uh, special that she did called um, Nanette. It's a, mm. it's a comedy special and it's really a monologue about why she's quitting comedy. Um, a queer person from Tasmania and she's talking about how she has to quit comedy because her jokes that are often very self-deprecating are locking her in her trauma. They're locking mm. her in, in old versions of herself and if she doesn't give that up she'll stay stuck there the whole time. It is hilarious. It yep. is a weeper of a thing. So if anybody is, needs to watch it, go watch it. It's been transformative of my life when I start yep. to look at my own self-deprecating humor to recognize where the what version of myself I'm locking myself into and not allowing myself to unpack and move forward. Well, I think we just solved all the masculinity problems for the globe. So I guess we're done. You're welcome, men. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Please go forth and be transformed. But please go forth. And if if you want to have conversations with Travis about this, um, I'm not his booker. I'm not going to set up schedules for you. But if you want to reach out to him, his website is travisstock.com. Uh, his podcast is The New Masculine. And as much as I hate to admit it, he's a pretty cool guy. I'm so glad he showed up <laughs> in my world um, and became part of my circle of influence, so to speak. And uh, any other things, any things you got coming up that you want guys to know about, like any programs or should they just show up at your website and check in with you, man? My website's a great place. I'm also on Instagram at Traver03. It's where kind of like the ongoing stuff from my business is going uh, on. Yeah. I also do a version of coaching that involves horses that I really like to promote yep. that is that is really powerful with men. Uh, there's sort of this ability to reflect on our the difference between our intention and our impact on the external environment, to develop empathy skills, to be in relational learning with a being that doesn't speak the same language as you do. So if anybody is looking to kind of work on some of their stuff. I love taking people out and exposing them to the work that I do called Equus Coaching. Um, I live in the Seattle area, but I also travel for that work as well. So um, people can awesome. find out more information on my website. Well, thanks for showing up, being you, having a, a cool conversation. I hope many guys take away like masculinity is how you define it, not how anybody else does. Amen to that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.